Hi there, you're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. I know that you're just going to love this episode. You're going to love it, especially if you're a paralegal and you've asked yourself, where do I want to take my career from here? Or if you've ever questioned if the skills that you're obtaining as a paralegal working in a law firm could eventually transfer to a career that's outside the typical law firm. Melissa Andrews is our guest today, and she worked as a paralegal for around 15 years and is now working in healthcare compliance and privacy. For the past 10 years, she's been working outside the typical law firm environment and in an area, to be honest, I never thought of as a potential career transition for a personal injury paralegal or any paralegal, really. So listen up, even if you're not a personal injury paralegal, when you hear Melissa's journey, If nothing else, it's going to get you to think outside the box a little. For the past three years, she's been serving as a virtual chief compliance officer and virtual chief privacy officer at Clearwater Security. What does that mean? Well, stick around. I'm going to have Melissa tell you all about it. Melissa has her associate's degree in paralegal technology and her CP designation from NALA. She also has a bachelor's degree and some other certifications that we'll talk about but she didn't get those until after she took on that first new role. So I wanted to let her tell you that story because I don't want you to think that it was her undergraduate degree and all these other you know, high-end certifications that got Melissa to where she is today. She started this new journey with this paralegal career. She started it with just an associate's degree, her paralegal certification, and around 15 or so years of paralegal experience working primarily in personal injury, but with a sprinkling in of some family law, criminal, and real estate. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. All right, so let's jump in and tell the listeners, how did you go from working as a personal injury paralegal to a privacy and compliance officer for a corporation? So it was really kind of simple, and I'm sure some of the exact same things that all your listeners have gone through. I was a mother of two small children, and we did large product liability cases. We did large medical malpractice cases. We sued pharmaceutical companies. And with that comes federal courts. With that comes travel. Um, Anybody who's done any kind of trial work knows it is a 60-plus hour work week. And I had two little kids, and I just couldn't do it anymore was exhausted all the time. A friend of mine let me know that the local hospital was hiring a paralegal. It was just going to be some simple property management stuff. I would be great for it. So I thought, sure, why not? I've never worked for a health system before. Never worked on that side of the house anyways. So I would give it a try. So I did. And it just kind of exploded from there. Wow. Okay. So you started as a paralegal in-house at a hospital. Correct. Okay. All right. And so then how does that lead into a privacy and compliance officer? This was one of those things that I tripped and fell into. 
as a paralegal, I had all this experience, all this education, and I could pick up on just about anything. So they kept piling more and more things. They were like, hey, as a paralegal, you've done some deposition prep. Would you mind prepping some of our physicians? I was like, sure, I can do that. They asked me to review some contracts. I said, sure, I can do that. They had some family law questions because of who has parental rights, those types of things. Sure, I can do that. They asked some employment questions. Sure, I can do that. (laughs) And then it got into contract management. And I was like, sure, not a problem. But as I was doing the contract management, I came across these agreements. They were called business associate agreements. So I looked into a little bit more and I was like, okay, this has to do with HIPAA. What's HIPAA? So I started doing my own research like we always do. And I read the regulation and I was like, wow, this is kind of a big deal. So I went to our general counsel and I said, hey, are we paying attention to this? He said, yes, but if you could take this on, that would be great. It'll only take up 10% of your job. That's all it'll be. Real simple, real easy. So I think it was maybe a year later, I became the privacy officer for the hospital. Okay, so that's where privacy comes in. So HIPAA, so what year was this? Was this just when HIPAA was first coming out? So HIPAA came out in 2016, the first time, or no, I'm sorry, 1996 was when it very first came out. But they didn't do enforcement actions until about 2012. Um, and then it just kind of took off in 2014, where you started to read, you know, people were getting in trouble for things. So that was when I really kind of started um, taking on that role as a privacy manager, while still being the paralegal. Okay, so before you go on to the next part, the next stepping stone, I want the listeners to hear what she was saying there. She took on the role as paralegal at the hospital But she didn't just say, this is my little box. This is what my job responsibilities are. She was open to taking on these other responsibilities, not knowing, like it was just extra work she was getting. She didn't realize at the time that this was going to lead to a whole new possibility for her career. So I just want to make sure that you guys heard that part. All right. So now you're the privacy officer at the hospital. Correct. For probably about a year, I was just... In learning about the privacy, I was getting invited to the meetings to talk to different departments, HR, anybody who's done any kind of paralegal work that has to do with human resources or EEOC. I became heavily involved with doing all of that and workers' comp because all of that involved that privacy work. So then about 2015, I officially became the system privacy officer. And that covered, I think it was four hospitals and 30 clinics. And I was responsible for building that privacy program to fit with everything that the health system needed. But I was still the paralegal. (laughs) I was still doing investigations and interviews. I was still doing uh, deposition preps for physicians. I was meeting with governmental agencies to handle those types of investigations. I was meeting with human resources, talking about disciplinary actions, 
and what we could legally do for disciplinary actions versus what we couldn't do. Because once again, anybody who's worked in human resources knows that's a fine line. So I did that for uh, quite a bit of time. And then it slowly started again with compliance. They were like, hey, there are these regulations, you know, these different government agencies. We only have one compliance officer. Do you think if we broke it apart, you could handle the compliance for the other side, for the clinics, while we had the compliance officer for the hospital? I said, well, let me take a look and see what we're talking about, because I had never done compliance before. So I started looking into it, and it became a lot of, once again, kind of the same things that I did as a paralegal, but just with a little twist to it. You know, you have to worry about real estate. Agreements that you have with physicians are a special type of real estate agreement. You have to be careful of things like fraud, waste, and abuse, anti-kickback, all of those types of things. You have to be careful about doing agreements within family members, referring things to the hospital, Criminal law is a big thing. The Office of Inspector General gets heavily involved with enforcement actions and all of those types of things. Employment becomes a huge thing. And then, of course, I'm still involved in the medical malpractice side of it and collections. We were involved in collections at this point. So these are all things that I had done as a paralegal. I'm now doing as a compliance officer. These regulations and these little whispers that I had heard as a paralegal, I'm more involved in as the compliance officer. So all of it, 100% of it, was strictly on-the-job training. So what I'm hearing from a compliance perspective is this it would be similar in a paralegal role where you're constantly looking up what's the court rule or how do we follow it to the letter? Are we crossing all of our T's and dotting our I's, but in just a different area? Yes and no. So the biggest thing with compliance is what is the intent of the law? Like with criminal procedures, you're very, these are the elements of the crime. We do have that in compliance, but we also have what is the intent? So if the intent is to prevent physicians from doing self-referrals um, because they own a separate business or their wife owns a separate business, so they're kind of funneling patients into that business, that is the intent, is to prevent that from happening. So you don't get really strict elements of a crime in compliance regulations as you do in criminal type uh, laws and regulations. There are still some but it's usually more of these are exceptions to the law as opposed to these are the specific elements of the law. Okay. All right. So you now are no longer doing paralegal work or you don't have the paralegal title anymore, I should say? So I lost the paralegal title in 2017 is when they officially removed it from me. And I became a regional compliance and privacy manager for the health system that I worked for. At the time, it was 10 hospitals and 100 clinics is what I was personally responsible for. And once again, I had nothing but my associate's degree and my paralegal certifications. I had gotten some compliance and privacy certifications by 2019, um, but that was all the additional education I had done at that point. Okay. And so how do you then transition to where you are now? 
So when I worked for the health system, they told me they wanted to promote me to a more system level, but I didn't have a bachelor's degree. They said, basically, you'll do the exact same job. As a matter of fact, they were nice enough to give me all the work that I would receive when I got promoted early. I just wouldn't receive the title or the pay raise. So I was like, oh, gee, thanks. I need to get my bachelor's degree then. So that is when I decided I needed to get my bachelor's degree. But when I started to get my bachelor's degree, I had posted on LinkedIn and let some co-workers, some peers know that, you know, I was doing this and I actually had a headhunter call me and say, hey, we found you. We heard about you. Would you be interested in doing consultant work? because you have everything we want. I explained to them, I don't have a bachelor's degree. They said, that's fine if you promise to get it in two years. So I- Oh, (laughs) okay. So I agreed to get my bachelor's degree in two years. I ended up getting it in 2021, but they hired me in 2019. Um, As a matter of fact, this will be my four-year anniversary. I've been working with this company um, in November. So I started the job and got the job before I had ever finished my bachelor's degree, which is in healthcare administration. What do you think it was about the, well, I mean, one thing, they they sought you out, right? But you didn't have the experience they wanted, or you maybe had the experience from the hospital, but you didn't have the college degree that they wanted. Um, I mean, did you just have a really good interview with them? It was the experience. A hundred percent, it was the experience. I am a member of a compliance association, healthcare compliance association, I think is, yes, healthcare compliance association. We do yearly meetings and there are several thousand people who go and I had just met so many connections there. I am a huge advocate of networking. So I introduced myself to everybody. I passed my card out to everybody. We talked a lot about things that we did, problems that we have. And that, I think, is what introduced me to the right people. And then they looked me up and saw my LinkedIn and talked to some of my peers, come to find out who I'd actually worked with in the past. And that's how they decided to offer me the position. Okay. Well, then I want to know, what are some of the things that you're doing in your current role. Well, and you know what? Before you tell us that, could you just give us a little bit of a background on the company that you work for? Because that might help listeners understand more when you tell them what the company is, what it does, and then what your role is there. So the company I work for is called Clearwater Security, Inc. They do strictly consulting work. They do IT security. We specialize in healthcare, but we do branch out to other things. We do some DOD work also. We come in and we can do several different things. We can assess organizations before they get in trouble and kind of determine what they do. Either it's on the IT security side of it or my side of the house, which is compliance and privacy. Sometimes we get phone calls after Office of Civil Rights has come in and find individuals and gotten them in trouble and putting them on corrective action plans. And we will kind of go through and help them get to where they need to be so they don't get in trouble anymore. Sometimes they're just short staffed. I will tell you, there's a huge job market out there for compliance officers and privacy officers. So they will call me in and I will be their interim compliance officer, privacy officer. The longest I've ever done that role was two years. And I will do everything that a compliance officer does for them or everything that a privacy officer does for them. If you want us to write your policies for you, we write policies. So as an organization, we really strive to cover that healthcare compliance component in all sides of the house. Okay. And so other than 
being their virtual compliance officer when they're short-staffed. What does a typical day look like for you? Not Maybe not typical, because that's a weird question. There's no typical day, but what what are some of the things that you're doing? So you're going to hear me get really excited because I'm one of those people who truly, truly loves their job. Oh, I love that. <laughs> So I had a I have a several clients right now. One of them I am their virtual privacy officer for. They are not for profit organization. They do a lot of charity work, a lot to do with research, mother baby type things, neonatal, all of that kind of stuff. So I get to be their privacy officer and lead them in the right direction. I do their research studies, which means every regulation that has to do with research components. You know, if you're using human subject research, I go in and I help them. So a lot of times they get a lot of other organizations who want to use their data to do their own research or to do data aggregation and that kind of stuff. So I make sure that those organizations are appropriate and are understand what their obligations are to protect this organization and those types of things. I also am a compliance officer for a value-based care business associate. And a business associate is not someone who normally does healthcare, but they partner with a healthcare organization. If any of you guys have read anything about Medicare Advantage, value-based care is the new thing as opposed to fee-for-service, which is most doctors would pay you for every little thing that they do. Value-based care is they pay you one price for the whole treatment. So there are a lot of regulations with that. So I'm helping them kind of make sure they are abiding by those regulations. I have a client who is based in the UK and they want to move into the United States and do some stuff here in the United States. They are digital health. They have an app. It's a women's reproductive health app. So, you know, we have a ton of laws about that going on right now. So I'm helping them kind of go through and understand what their obligations are. And, you know, you have Federal Trade Commission, you have TCPA, you have HIPAA, you have different state laws. So that's a huge thing that I'm helping them with. I do a lot of digital health organizations because everybody's getting into that healthcare space, but they just don't understand it. I have another client who's a law firm that I am helping them with mergers and acquisitions because a lot of times their clients don't know that HIPAA applies to them or that they really are a healthcare organization. So I go in and I do a compliance evaluation to make sure that the company that they're looking at, that their client's looking at, has all of the required elements. And, you know, when you talk about compliance, it's things like, do you have a harassment policy that your workforce members can't harass each other? Do you have a reporting policy? Do you have a policy that says that people can report anonymously? So all of those kind of fun things. I had a client recently, I just finished with them. They were a children's hospital that specialized in mental health and substance use disorder. Those are two separate regulations that I had the pleasure of working with them and kind of going through what that means to how you treat children differently than how you treat adults, what rights children have. And this is that huge, big family law part of it because I did some of that. I understood that different states Some children can consent at 12. Some children can't consent to 16. And, you know, when CPS comes involved, who has the right? Is it still the parents? Is it CPS? You know, all of those kind of fun things. So that was something I was very easy to transition over. 
I've worked with county governments before. So, you know, when you say day in a life, it <laughs> anything you can think of. I could still go on and on about all the different things that I do. And depending on the client, it's just a huge diversity, which is like I said, I love my job. I love that I get a hop from different things and I'm not in a box of I can only work on family law or I can only work on product liability. So it makes it exciting for me. Well, I have to ask so that the listeners have realistic expectations because they heard you say there's, you know, a shortage in compliance officers. Do you believe that you could be in this current role as a privacy and compliance officer without those years, at least a few years of working in-house at the hospital? So I think experience is important. So I definitely think you need a couple of years of experience in whatever compliance field you choose to go in, because compliance is more than just healthcare. But if you really want to get that foot in the door, there are tons of organizations out there. There's the Healthcare Compliance Association. There's the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics. There's the International Association of Privacy Professionals. And even the American Health Law Association are all great places to become members and to get certifications to kind of get your foot in the door. I am a big proponent of networking. Meet the people in the fields that you want to be in. Go to these national conferences and talk to these people. A lot of times when I work for organizations and I'm being their interim privacy officer or their interim compliance officer, I am part of that onboarding process and that hiring process. I'm part of the person who writes the job description and lists those qualifications. And I tell organizations all the time, if you get somebody who's new, you can train them to do things your way. It's just like being a paralegal. Every attorney is different. Every attorney wants to do things their own way. Same thing is true with healthcare organizations. They all kind of, they're a little different. They all want to do things their own way. So I do kind of push them to say, hey, I realize this person only has two or three years experience, but you can look at their certifications. They have the knowledge and you can kind of push them to see things, you know, and to kind of go through things your way. It's great to come in as a lower level um privacy analyst and kind of work your way up to those types of bigger roles to where you can be the compliance officer or the privacy officer. But yes, experience is probably a necessity, some form of experience within the field you want to go in. Right. And you probably, I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming that you need more than just a couple of years of experience as like, let's say you're personal injury, paralegal experience. You were working for 15 years as a paralegal before you went into this role. So you have a lot of background experience to transfer over. I can't imagine you would say, oh, okay, if you've been a paralegal for two years, then just go get this certification. I mean, or could you? I guess it would depend on what you would do for those two years. But no, I would think you would need a lot more. I will tell you, if I knew then what I know now, I was probably more qualified for the role that I have than I realized. So much of that experience, you know, the family law, I never would have thought in a million years because I hated family law. I'm not going to lie <laughs> that I would use any of that knowledge working in compliance, but I use it all the time. Really? Um, all the time. Yes. 
especially when you're talking about divorce decrees and power of attorneys and all of those things. I'll just go ahead and say it. The biggest thing that I have when I'm doing privacy work is family drama. Mm. Most of the complaints, most of the issues, most of the concerns are family drama. You know, the mom comes in and says, I have custody of this kid. Their dad can't find out anything. But because I did family law, I know that's not true. And I always tell them, can I see the divorce decree that states this? They don't have it. They don't have any legal documentation that states that. So knowing what I know from doing family law has helped me so much with those types of things. And that's something I never thought I would use in compliance and privacy. Never. But I do. I use it a lot because family and drama, <laughs> it's the same <laughs> everywhere. Well, so besides the skills and experience, what kind of traits or soft skills do you think you have that help you succeed in your role? Because it sounds to me like communication skills are pretty important. The level that you're communicating with in terms of the status within the client and the people who you're dealing with and HR officers, it sounds like you're going to need some communication skills. Yes. Communication skills are a big thing. Um, and even on top of that is don't react. You have to be able to stop and think and you don't have to give an answer right away. A lot of people will pressure you. Well, I need to know this right now. Okay. Well, I'll get back to you tomorrow or I'll get back to you in a couple of hours. Do your research before you give the answers. Talk to other people. I can't tell you how many times a department head has called me. I need to sign this contract right now. These are the details. Can I do it? Yes or no? Well, I haven't seen the contract. I haven't read the contract. You know, this says it involves, you know, software and technology. I haven't talked to IT about it. So being able to control your reaction and not to buckle under that kind of pressure is huge. So take the time. It's okay to tell people you need time to think before you respond. Um, so that not buckling under pressure is huge. We get a lot of government agencies that show up. We will have law enforcement that show up. We have accreditation agencies that show up. So it's important to be calm and to think about everything, you know, be careful how you speak. A big thing with HIPAA is the word breach. The second you say we have a breach, well, you have a breach and there's no going back. So we learned very, very early on, we have an incident. So, you know, those types of things, word choice. We learned that as a paralegal real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, so word choice is super important. Being able to talk to every level within the organization. I have meetings with CEOs, presidents, board of directors. I have meetings with nurses, janitorial staff, maintenance workers, managers, directors, you name the level in a healthcare organization, I've had meetings with them. I've talked to them. So being comfortable talking to those individuals, um, because the big thing is, is, you know, we do what we do because people report things to us. If we, you know, are kind of rude and super busy, so we're short with people, what well, they're going to be like, we don't like her. We'll never talk to her again. And you don't get people who call you when they need you. You don't get people who call you when they need help or when they want to report something. So being that open, happy personality is a big thing. Just 
adaptable is a huge one. But, you know, if you've ever been a trial paralegal, nothing goes on in court the way you expect it to. <laughs> and though, you know, you've already got that down. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing as you were telling me some of the different things that you're doing in your current role, and you're going to various different levels. And it reminded me of what I call the ability to pivot. I always have thought that's so important for paralegals. And I think that most paralegals, most of them who've been working for a good amount of time, and especially in litigation, but not just litigation, but there is an ability to pivot. You you can go from being a personal injury paralegal to working on a big construction litigation suit, and all of a sudden, you know the strength of the rebar in the concrete, uh-huh. you know? So it sounds like you use that a lot. Oh, absolutely. So not only do I have to know the regulations for certain things, but I also have to know how billing and coding works. I have to know how medical documentation works. If you've ever worked even if it's not just personal injury, if it's any kind of case, you know, product liability is usually because somebody got hurt. We know those medical records. I had a case when I was in personal injury where we had a massive bed sore. I mean, it was so huge. You could stick a softball inside of it. So I know everything there is to know about bed sores. One year, CMS comes out with all these regulations. So we had to go through all of our medical records and make sure we had appropriate medical documentation on bed sores. I was like, oh, I've got this. <laughs> I know everything there is to know about bed sores. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know everything about bed sores. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, all right. So I like to give people actionable strategies. So if there's someone listening to this and they've been a paralegal for, let's say, 10, 15 years, uh, they're writing out their five-year plan and it includes going into privacy and compliance. They've heard jurors and, and realize, okay, I'm doing a lot of that too. I want to do what she's doing. Could you give them a a few steps that they might want to add to their five-year plan. Let's say they've got their associate's degree and their paralegal certificate like you did. So the first thing I would do is figure out what industry do you want to go in? I'm in healthcare, so I've been talking a lot about the healthcare industry. But there are other industries. Finance is a huge one that has compliance programs. Real estate, huge ones that have compliance programs. So anybody who takes government funding of any kind, is required to have a compliance program. So do a little bit of research. You know, if there's an area that you really, really like or you have a lot of knowledge of, do a little bit of research to see if that's something you would want to do compliance in. And then uh, look at the resources that are out there, the regulations in reference to compliance programs. The Office of Inspector General has compliance guidance. Um, HCCA and OING um, also have a resource guide that gives you the seven elements of a compliance program and what you have to audit and review to know if there's a good compliance program. U.S. Federal Sentencing Guidelines also has a manual for what is required of compliance programs. Department of Justice has their criminal fraud division also has what's required for compliance programs. So do that kind of research so you can familiarize yourself what really is in and required of the role. I hate to say it, I really hate to say it, but getting a bachelor's degree is not a bad idea. I was a compliance officer without it, but I would still be working with that same health system as a manager level person without that bachelor's degree. 
That's what opened that final door for me. So I hate it. There are a lot of online universities now that you can do it and do well. And then I guess lastly would be to get in the industry that you want to do. So you can check box that I've worked in this industry. I've worked in healthcare. Even if it's just as a paralegal, you've worked in healthcare and they will use that. And you'll find when you work as a paralegal, you'll get sucked into it. You can't help it. So those would be the things that I would do to get into this field. I like that. Okay, so four things, you guys. I'm going to summarize what she said. So first is find your area of expertise that you enjoy. Make it somewhere that you enjoy. So finance, real estate, healthcare. Two, look for resources on compliance to become familiar with what's required. Third, get your bachelor's degree. And I, I agree with that. I don't always like to say you've got to have extra college degrees, especially when it's not necessary. But like she said, I mean, maybe if you're you're okay if you're in that manager's position and that's all you ever want. But if you want to go beyond that and to become an actual officer, then you're going to want a bachelor's degree and then get a job in that industry. So if you're not interested in the healthcare side, but maybe you've been working in corporate legal in a law firm doing mergers and acquisitions or a blue sky securities, whatever, and you want to do finance, then go in-house as a paralegal working in the finance industry. So I love those. Wow. Okay. Melissa, thank you so much. You're going to inspire so many people. I'm going to be, uh, my, my DMs are going to be blown up on this one. <laughs> like I want what she's got. <laughs> oh, Melissa, thank you so much for spending the time with me today, Melissa. Yes. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm one of the lucky few who actually loves their job. So once you get me talking about it, you can't get me to stop. (laughs) It sounds like it. All right. Well, have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.